You know, but the message of the story that we just saw is an important message, isn't it? And uh, it was very clear in the way they presented it. And when you think through, why was it so strange? Why was it so out of what the ordinary, what we would expect for the way that God chose to reveal his son to us? Why did Jesus come in such an unexpected way? Um, and, you know, if there was a video camera in heaven at the moment when the angels found out, I'm sure it would have looked exactly like what we just saw, right? <laughs> and, uh, um, but, you know, I'll bet that when he did reveal his plan to the angels, that many of them were surprised. That doesn't surprise me at all. That wouldn't surprise me to find that out. Because when you, when you have someone important coming into town, then it's a big deal, isn't it? What do you expect when someone important comes into town? If someone important or popular or famous or, or maybe a, a famous musician, that part cracked me up, uh, it comes, comes into town, you, you have fanfare, you have pomp and circumstance, excitement and all sorts of music and so on. And, uh, and, and that's what you expect. In fact, I've heard news that Santa Claus has been coming to town ever since the day after Thanksgiving, right? Haven't you heard that? And, and you see everywhere. You hear songs on the radio about it everywhere. It's a big fanfare, and it, it's a big deal. But take it to, to, uh, to something a little more down to earth. I remember once going to see the president of the United, Sp- the, the United States speak in my hometown. I won't tell you which president because I don't want to get into politics today, but... Um, uh, but it was a big deal. We had to show up hours early. Um, there were flowers, or, or flowers and flags everywhere. There was musicians that came. They had they had famous actors and actresses give little speeches ahead of ahead of time. It was a big deal. Um, and so, it, when someone important comes to town, you expect a big deal. Or take someone that's more popular on an international level. level. Remember when the Pope came into town not too long ago. Right, for three days, you couldn't hear news about anything else, right? Turn on the news and, oh, the Pope had lunch with so-and-so or whatever. And that's, that's the way it is because when someone important comes into town, then, then there's a lot of fanfare. This was Jesus Christ coming to earth. I mean, when you think about that, what would you expect? You, I mean, keep in mind, he's the creator of everything, right? Not just the earth, but all of the planets in the solar system, and not just this solar system, but all the solar systems in our galaxy, and not just our galaxy, but all the galaxies in the universe. He's the creator of them all, and he was coming to our planet. And not only that, he was coming with a purpose. His purpose was to overcome the two of the the worst things we could imagine, sin and the consequences of sin, death. See, he came because we do have that, that I problem, right? So when you think of who he was, and I'll ask the question again, what would, what would you expect to see at the coming of a, the key figure of human history? But he didn't come as a king or a political leader, or he didn't come with pomp and circumstance. He didn't come in any, any of those ways. Instead, he came in a mysteriously unexpected way. I want to read about it in Luke chapter 2. And I'll read just the first seven verses right now. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered for taxes. This census first took place while Quirinius was uh, governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, 
The days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. How strange is that? This is the, the creator of the world coming to the earth. No fanfare, nothing like that. What we find is an unknown couple. At this point, we don't have a whole lot of connections to who they were. They weren't political leaders. No one had really heard of them, and they were on their way to register for taxes. Not to receive taxes, to give taxes, right? Normal people, like you and me. They couldn't afford to make reservations, obviously, because they get there and all the inns are full. And so they, they couldn't even stay in a hotel, but where did they stay? In a stable. It was a cave where they kept the animals in Bethlehem. And, and uh, there were no doctors to deliver him. Imagine that. If I, had, if I had asked my wife to, to go traveling when, when she was pregnant and that we were going to give birth without a doctor, she would shoot me, right? And, and I would deserve it. <laughs> this is what they did. This is what, what all that they had. And for a crib, nothing glorious but a manger, a feeding trough for the animals. That's how Jesus chose to come to the earth. And they wrapped them in swaddling cloths, just like every normal person. Why did he come in such a strange way? In, in the story of his birth, we, see, we can see why. As even in Christ's birth, he was teaching us that it's not all about pomp and circumstance. It's not about all of those things. It's about humility. It's about humility. And that's really uh, what we, we find is the problem that we all have. See, pride, or what we call today the I problem, right? it's all about me. Pride is, is, uh, is what springs out of, what springs out of pride is our sin. And really, all sin can be rooted to pride, when you think about it. Pride is that selfishness. It's, it's worried about myself and not about other people. So you see, sin springs forth from pride. This I problem has existed from the beginning. In the Bible, we find it first, chronologically, we find it first with Lucifer, as we heard about today. We saw it in Lucifer, uh, uh, in, who was one of the greatest of the angels in heaven. In Isaiah 14, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. You see what that is? It's an eye problem. He was not content, not even to be the highest of the angels. He wanted God's position. Now, before we think this is just a Lucifer problem, we find uh, very shortly thereafter that Lucifer passed it on to Adam. In fact, in, in Genesis chapter 3, third chapter of the Bible, and we, we uh, find where God had given Adam and Eve all of the trees of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden means the Garden of Delights. He gave them all sorts of delightful things. But he told them there was one tree in the middle of the garden that they could not eat of. And then we, ent- we enter the, uh, the serpent of the story, who later on we find is Lucifer. And this is what we read. It said, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of, uh, of the fruit of all the trees of the garden, but... The fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat it, 
eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, Lucifer passed it on to Adam. You can be like God. Don't be content with all the blessings that God has given you. You want, you need, you should have the position of God. And he passed that sinfulness on to Adam. And, and we know the story. Eve uh, partook of the, of the forbidden fruit. She gave it to Adam. He took it. And sin entered into the world. Adam then passed that sin on to us. For those who have been here regularly, and if this is your part of your home church, we've been studying the book of Romans. And I, I just want to read something from the book of Romans as well. Uh, for verse uh, 12 of chapter 5, we read, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So because sin entered into the world, so did death. And then because we are children of Adam, guess what? We're sinners too. If we're honest, how many of us could say we don't have an I problem? I don't see any hands. That means we have an honest congregation here today. My hands are down too. None of us could say that. We are all sinners by birth. We are all selfish by nature. And so Lucifer passed it on to Adam. Adam passed it on to us. And so we have this great I problem. But why did Jesus come in the way that he, he came? Why did he come in such an unexpected way? Well, the answer is he came to show us the solution to the I problem. The problem of sin and the problem of death. He came to offer us forgiveness from our sins and eternal life. Amazing. Imagine that. This is the Jesus Christ who came to us. You know, in the story, there was some fanfare. There was some of that, but not by everybody. There were those who rejected him and there are those who received him. They received him and rejoiced. And so in the story, we can see the difference between those two, and it all goes back to their humility or their pride. In fact, in the story, who rejected Jesus? King Herod did. Remember? King Herod. Uh, wh- why, why did he not want Jesus to be, to be born in his area? Well, he was the ruler. He had the influence. He had prestige. He had all those things. You bring another ruler into the mix, and that's going to take the glory off of himself. He had an eye problem, and he said, I don't want to get rid of the eye problem. I would rather get rid of Jesus. You know who else rejected Jesus in the Christmas story? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. That's probably the saddest thing of them all. They had the scriptures. They listened to the prophets and all the things that the prophets had said to predict the coming of Jesus Christ. And yet they had worked themselves up into a religious system where they were the, they were the top of the chain right? The top of the food chain. And all of a sudden, you, you let the Messiah be born, and now you have to submit yourself to him. No, they liked being the head honchos of the religious, the, the religious pharisaical denomination, right? So what did they do? They rejected Jesus Christ as well. But in the same passage that we just read, we do see there's, there's some rejoicing too. I'm going to read just the next couple of verses, starting verses 8 through 12. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the, ro- the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swelling clothes, lying in a manger. 
one of the first groups of people that we see to rejoice and receive Jesus Christ for who he was were the shepherds. They weren't kings. They weren't political leaders. They weren't even religious leaders. They were the common folks. In fact, they weren't, not, they weren't just shepherds. They were the ones who didn't have enough seniority to have the day shift, right? These guys are watching sheep at night. I don't know about you, but the last thing I want to try and do at night if I'm trying to stay awake is count sheep, right? That's their job, right? And, and uh, so who are they? They're the night shift. And why them? Why nobody else? Well, you know, there's something special about the shepherds in Bethlehem. And we mentioned this last year. The shepherds in Bethlehem raised sheep for one purpose and one purpose only. That was to take sheep. They would take them right to the temple where they would be sacrificed in atonement for sins, right? To cover over the sins. Not to really forgive them permanently, to, to cover them up. Why? Because that was a symbol of the coming Messiah. And the angels came to them to let them know, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because the real lamb has come to take away the sins of the world. That's the story of Christmas, and that's why he came to the shepherds. They're not the only ones to rejoice. There was one other group that rejoiced in the same story. I'm just going to read the next two verses, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a beautiful sight that would have been. When the angels actually come, and that's where the fanfare takes place. A small group of people watching. But the angels rejoiced. Why? Because the angels were aware of what was going on. And this was the centerpiece of the story of mankind. Jesus Christ was being born with a purpose. And that was to show us how we could have forgiveness from sin and how we can receive eternal life because of it. So the angels were aware. The question today, are you aware? Do you know for certain? Are, are you more like the Pharisees or, or King Herod who thought, you know what, I, I, I like being the master of my own destiny. I like choosing. I want, to, I want to play God in my own life. Or are you willing to humbly accept the fact that Jesus Christ came, he, not just to be born, but he came with the purpose to die on the cross for your sins. And if you're willing to humble yourself and accept that as a gift, something that you can't earn, some, nothing you can brag about for the rest of your life, it's something that you just receive as a gift from God. If you're willing to humble yourself and do that today, I have great news for you. Your sins will be forgiven, and you will inherit eternal life. Let's just, I'd like you just to, for a moment as we close the service, I want to, you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to, to pretend that there's no one else in the room, just for a moment, just for the closing seconds of, of the service today. I want you to pretend that there's no one else in the room. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Have I ever come to a point where I humbly accepted the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and accepted him to be my Savior and my Lord? One simple question. If you can answer positively to that and you say, Pastor Dave, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I have accepted Jesus Christ and, uh, and I know for, for sure that my sins are forgiven and I have eternal life. If you know that for sure, could you just raise your hand? Excellent. See lots of hands. All right, you can put your hands down. If there's anyone here who is unable to raise their hand just now, you are not 100% sure you know that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to spend eternity in heaven 
would you quietly just raise your hand? This isn't between you and anyone else. It's between you and God. Would you, would you just raise your hand so I could see it? Then here's what I'd like to do. If, the, if that's you today, if you, if you just raise your hand, I would like you to know for certain how you could have eternal life. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Or, um, excuse me, if, he says if we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that, that he died for us, guess what? We can be saved. And so I'm going to just say a little prayer. And if, that, if you raised your hand, I want you to say this prayer from your heart. There's no magic formula. But say it from your heart and you can know for sure you have eternal life. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have an eye problem. But you sent Jesus Christ to be the perfect example of humility for me. And you also sent him to die on the cross to pay for my sins so that I could have my sins forgiven and inherit eternal life. Lord, today I accept that gift of eternal life. Thank you for this precious gift in Christ's name. Amen.